Welcome back to What's Your Bliss, part of the Anything But Credible Network. My name is Thomas Ragland, and I'm so delighted to be coming back to you another week. This week's guest is someone I'm very excited about, someone I've been working to get on the podcast for a few weeks, so I'm so glad we were able to do it today. My guest today is the founder of the Rob Kelly Recovery Group and a compassionate addiction consultant, Dr. Rob Kelly. Dr. Kelly, welcome to the show, and please tell us What's Your Bliss. Thank you so much. Good to be here, Thomas. I've done some research on you. Pretty cool guy. So when I look at my life as a whole and look at my bliss, uh, it's it's living. I get, I'm a crack alcoholic. I get to live two lives in one lifetime. So my bliss today is living in the moment. And that, and you hear people say that loads of times, but they don't actually do it because when you do, oh my goodness, you don't miss anything. You mm. see everything. You hear the birds, and 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 that would be it for me with the, with the journey I've had. I'm I'm blessed to be in the situation I'm now and have been for six or seven years. So yeah, it's that slowing everything down. Just don't, I don't know what's tomorrow. I don't even have my patience for tomorrow. Just give me today and let me get as much as possible out of today. Oh, I love that. And like you said, even though a lot of people say that to, to truly do it and to truly live that is, is something that really you do have to take moment by moment by moment, day by day. Um, Tell us what, kind of brought that on and I'm guessing you know your personal history and and kind of where you are now is is a lot of what brought that but how did you figure out that living in the moment was the thing that that really brought you joy well I'm I'm a worrier by by nature I was born this way so it seems that every time I'm worried about something I, I would uh, solve that problem and then have something to worry about even smaller so that got me intrigued and and it was always the destination Let's get there. Let's get there. If my wife's driving, come on, let, let's go. And she's like, "What? What's the hurry? We're going home. There's nobody home. We're not doing any why." And so he got me thinking that rather than concentrating on the journey, why don't I just why don't I just enjoy the ride? Mm. So that and, and it's really hard, guys, to put that in practice. And one of the reasons I can't, I have people around me to do stuff. I have staff that makes this possible what I do because I don't get involved in anything else. I don't get my day till the night before eight o'clock. So I have a, a kind of a kickstart on people out there, but anybody can do this where even now I've got a time at three Oh seven central. I'm really slowed down enjoying this moment with, with Thomas, just, just basking in the glory, basking in the quietness, basking in great conversation. And I've no idea what I'm doing in an hour's time. Let's see what happens then. But and so that that that's that's how I got there by slowing things down and stop looking at a destination. Because I always tell people, you know, I went to bed last night. I was 22. I woke up this morning. I'm 60. Nope. That's how quick it goes. And one one little old man used to. He, he, I, I caught him outside school one day. He was waiting for the bus like me, and he said, "Life's going to go by really quick. So do everything you can and enjoy yourself." And I've cat. That's my life today. I can do anything in the world. Uh, but I just have to enjoy myself. And that's what it's about. Absolutely. And I'm wondering, are there times where that isn't as easy? I mean, it sounds like you have a pretty solid schedule, a pretty solid, uh, like you said, you don't even know what the next day is going to be until either the night before or sometimes the day of. Uh, But are there times where it feels like it's a little harder to just kind of stay in the moment? (coughs) Of course. I mean, when something happens that shouldn't happen, uh, when something hits, it shouldn't hit. Like this morning, it rained crazy last night. Um, and when we got this morning, the the, uh, the garage and the laundry room are flooded. 
So that kind of sets me into a, oh my goodness, what should we do? But then I have a great wife who is really totally different to what I am. You know, I also have corrupted her because she'd come from a nice little town called Bastrop and she grew up sort of sheltered and, you know, she really calms me down. Um, so, yeah, there, there are times, and especially when I'm speaking anywhere, TV is okay, but speaking live to an audience, I kind of get that I'm not good enough. I shouldn't be here and why the hell are they going to listen to me? So that's kind of, let's get this over, let's get this over with. I'm, I'm trying to work on that. But yeah, it's, it's coming together. But yeah, there were definitely hard times when you just practice makes perfect. And I'm never going to be perfect, but I keep practicing. Sure. And what you're talking about a little bit there is is kind of that imposter syndrome. Is that something that started more when you started really uh, speaking uh, in front of live audiences? Or is that something that you feel like you've kind of battled throughout your life? All my life. You see, I, yeah. I, I grew up on the projects or the council estates in England. And my parents were, were poor, working class, but there wasn't a lot of spare money around. And uh, yeah, I, I wanted to better my, I was a musician. That's what got me out of, of where I was, is, be, is being a musician. So I played from the age of nine. And then when I moved to college, because nobody's been to college in my family, I felt like an imposter because I'm an alcoholic. And guys, if you don't know what alcoholism is, it's got nothing to do with alcohol. It's the brain. I'm either all in or I'm all out. There's no halfway measures for me. That, that's just what it is. So I went to uh, Oxford University. And from that day onward, Tom, that's where it, it started with me. It's like, I shouldn't be here. I don't fit in here. And that's what been with me most of my life, to be honest. How do you, how did you work through that, if at all, in, in college? And, you know, it sounds like you're, like you said, you're a, a same kind of back to the same concept. We take it day by day and we try to, we try to move forward. And <laughs> you've had a lot of great success, um, certainly in the last few years. So I'm sure that's, in, in some ways that's helpful. And in some ways it, it heightens that somewhat. But I'm curious if there's things kind of in the moment that help you kind of snap out of that. Uh, just reality and breathing. It's amazing when you breathe, just stop. Mm. And taking the moment where you are, because when I first went to college and everyone sat down, we had to wear uniforms, very posh over there. And uh, they, we, I sat down for lunch and there was like four forks on my left-hand side and five knives on my right-hand side. And it's like, I went into freeze. I went into panic mode straight. It's like, what do I, so I stopped and I started to breathe properly and I watched what other people do. And that's how I got my start in, into, into normal world, I guess. But I, I kind of mix with the affluent right now because I am affluent myself. Mm. So, <clears throat> you know, it's just, again, the one day at a time, but just you, you can learn every day. I think when, when it, when, once you become unteachable, I think that's, that, that's when life's over. I think being teachable and going, Hey guys, I don't know everything. You know, I teach a book study at this uh, 12 step meeting and I'm the guru. Everyone calls me the guru. And I often say, guys, I'm no better than you. It's just that I'm old and I've read this book more times than you have. That's all it is. I'm not cleverer than anybody else. I wish I was, but I'm not. So blending in and bringing everyone down to the same level or, or working on the same level uh, used to work for me. Now what works for me today is watching for these guys who are uncomfortable. I'm approaching them and go, hey, you doing okay? It's going to be okay. Don't worry. It's all, you know, I was just like you. That conversation really brings levels of anxiety and torment down you know, for that relate thing. It's just, it, it's, it's really, really cool to do. Yeah. Kind of on that note, when you are working with folks and, and specifically <clears throat> with folks who 
are struggling with addiction um, or alcoholism, how do you help them live in the moment? How do you help them kind of find that, that peace, that quiet and, and help them slow down? There's a process of a program that we do, and it's basically you get in touch with your spiritual side. That's very important. Uh, again, learn how to breathe. And alcoholics, because I'm an alcoholic, alcoholics are always, when they're drinking one bottle of vodka, you, you, you're thinking where you can get your second one from. So that's really hard. But the process of slowing the brain down, uh, redirecting neural pathways so that there are new thought patterns, uh, and obviously slowing the central nervous system down and, and try and put five things you're going to accomplish that day. Just five things. It might be dinner, supper, and bed. I don't know. But we need a, a sense of accomplishment every day to stay in the moment. And I often tell him, you know, wherever you go, you never know who you're talking to and you will never know how you will change their life. So when I say thank you to somebody, dopamine's released into my brain. So everything you do today matters. We're not promised tomorrow. There may be no tomorrow. It makes no difference. The thing is, what can I bring to humanity today? Now, I have a very large platform to do that, but I share it with all my patients. It's like I get them into that time of frame of mind that really nothing's worth worrying about. If you can't do anything about it now, let it go. Either God will sort it out or the supreme being or the universe, but it will be sorted out. It's like everything in the end is always good. It's never, I mean, you go through bad times. My homelessness was bad. You know, I hated God and everybody else around me. But when I look back on it now for the job I do, because I believe everybody has their niche, it was like a semester at Harvard, to be honest. You know, the stuff I learned for the job I do today. So I think once you start living in the day it's just you get to appreciate everything about life you know because we're always i was always running and my patients are always running it's like you know ceos of corporations you know uh, empire magnets and all them guys it's just like stop stop right. you're gonna die very very soon you, your body cannot cope with all that stress so we ha and, and some of my guys i've worked with about six and a half thousand over the last 28 29 years uh, I've really got it. They really do. And once you try it, you will never come away from it because it's all about breathing and pausing and, you know, starting. Because you can start your day, guys, anytime you want. And that's another thing I do in the day. If I stub my toe or, or toe, I drop a pen or kick the dog, I go, whoa, I'm going to say, I'm going to start my day from now. And that could be as late as 6 p.m. I don't care. I'm going to start it now. And it always goes better. I think we're missing. And we're missing here, right here, right now. We're missing so much. And I also tell my guys to look for, look for white feathers on the floor. All of them, find them. Look for coins in crazy situations and smell for scents around you because somebody's putting them there. I'm a great believer in that. And we rush through life so quickly that we don't see them. Right. You know? Absolutely. And what you're saying also reminds me of, they say it a lot with folks who have, um, you know, uh, eating disorders or, or, or sometimes disordered eating, but I think it also, it also plays into probably addiction of any type, but this idea of just because something happens doesn't mean you have to completely uh, get rid of all the work that you've done to get to the point that, that you've gotten, right? Just because you, you happen to uh, you know, eat, you know, going back to the eating example, if you mm -hmm. happen to eat a cupcake that day, mm -hmm. you just eat it, you enjoy it, you move on. 
And and again, then you start over. You start kind of start your day. You don't have to start from the, starting over. Doesn't mean starting back from the beginning, from the very very beginning. Um, and so, how do you how do you kind of see how that plays out with with either yourself or or folks that you're working with in terms of starting over? Doesn't mean we start from scratch. Yeah, and it's very important as well. It's an old, an old doctor friend said to me, he's, I came home one day and I said, God, it's been a terrible day. I've had a really bad day. And he sat me down and he said, was it really a bad day, Rob? Or was it five minutes that you drug all through the day? And it's usually the case. He's like, you know, if you eat that cupcake or, you know, go to that buffet, you shouldn't have it. It's no big deal. Stop beating yourself up. The, the, the deal is you're thinking healthy again. You're getting back on track at four o'clock, even though you've eaten yourself almost to death, because I do that in Chinese buffets. I'm, I'm terrible. <laughs> but the more we beat myself up, the more you're keeping away the good positive vibes from you, you know. And I always say to people, no matter what situation you're in, we can all teach somebody else about a situation. So it comes down to, am I selfish or not? Because it's not about me. It's about what I can bring to somebody else. How many lives can I change today? That, that's that's really big with me. If I'm driving past a gas station and I see a woman there with 10 kids in the car squeezing $2 of gas, I'll stop. Now, I've, I've been given this platform and, and this money to do that, and I will give her $100 and fill a gas up and stuff like that. I think the more we do that, the more we're in tune with each other <clears throat> because nobody sees the other side of anything because we're all like, I used to live on the streets. Now I live in a million-dollar house. What's the difference? Well, there isn't any for me. Mm. There really isn't. You know, so if I think if and I've, this has been my journey for so many years is how many people can we get on board with this? Because if you're loving people, if you're if you're watching loving people and working with people to have a better life, then your life is amazing. So that that's what I try and do, especially with my patients. But anybody around me, anybody around me, just get them focused on the good things, not the bad things, because as a, an addict or an alcoholic or a food, you know, whatever it may be, I see the black mark in the, on the white paper. Mm-hmm. That's what most of us concentrate on. You know, the fact that this, 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 and this has happened. And here's a, for instance, I spoke in, in uh, California once and there was a thousand people there. They had to click them through on a clicker. That's why I know there was exactly a thousand because of fire regulations. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was, I was told to leave two hours after the meeting to shake hands with everybody. It's customary for everyone to say thank you for you going there. 999, Thomas said thank you. And one guy said, you were rubbish. You were terrible. So I guess what I focused on for the last three months and nearly relapsed was that one guy. And that's what I try and, you see, if you're living in there, you see how sick that guy was or how frustrated or, you know, how the anger's not towards you, the anger's towards himself. Now, what can I do? So I, I sought out that person. And I sent him an email and I said to him, I'm going to practice on, you know, not being so angry when I talk to him my story, but thanks for letting me know. Me and that guy have a friendship today. Wow. How cool is that? <clears throat> That's amazing. And you took that focus on the, the one, the, the literal one out of a thousand uh, yes. bad, you know, bad experience. And instead of, you know, completely perseverating on it, you said, how can I, kind of broach this? How do I, how do I kind of extend this? And even if you were upset at the time or angry at the time, you were able to work through that and also help him see, Hey, I'm, I'm also not, like you said, in the right frame of mind here. Mm -hmm. And if we all are able to kind of take that, take that minute. And then hopefully, I don't know if you did this or not, but hopefully you're able to, to focus on, well, 999 people thought I was awesome. Yeah. That's when I need help from my wife and people around me, you know, just to remind me now and again, because 
people think we know. People yeah. think we know when we're good, you know, when we exceed in something uh, as a doctor, a driver, you know, a show, whatever it is you're doing, but we don't know because people don't tell anybody anymore. And that's why I stopped. You know, and I, and I tell people on a daily basis, what an amazing job you're doing. Thank you for doing that. You know, whether it be a policeman or, you know, our gardener, it makes no difference because people need to hear that. And we've stopped saying that. There was an instance at, at work in, in, the, in the break room and I, I happened to walk past and one nurse said, hey, did you see what Dr. Kelly did with that patient? He came in, he was suicidal. He went out, he was skipping and whistling, said bye to everybody. It's absolutely amazing. And the other nurse said, I know, right? Did you tell him that? Oh, no, no, no. No, no, no. I mean, he already knows, but I mean, no, we don't know. You know, spread that joy, spread that love. You know, let's get out there and start raising the bar for humanity. And, you know, it's just an amazing, it's, the world needs to come together, especially right now. I don't think, I don't think it's a race war. I don't think it's a country against country war. I think each individual needs to take their part and love fellow man. And oh well, that's okay, Robin. A great world. Well, why can't it be a great world every day? Right. You know the guys that were flying at Kitty Hawk. Everyone said it was absolute mathematical, unbelievable. You can't do it. It's impossible, and they did it. Anything's possible when we put our mind to it. Right. Well, and what you're speaking to for me also says we are often in our minds. We are choosing essentially how we're going to respond to something, right? Like even before we do it. Now we do have, obviously we have impulses and, and those types of things play a role. But in most things we have, we have an opportunity to choose how we are going to respond or choose how we're going to tackle something. And too often we either settle for A, easy, or B, uh, defense. And so if we are able to lower that a little bit and try to assume, try to assume goodwill, try to assume positive intent, yes. or try to, like you did, try to go, well, maybe there's something else going on yes. and I'm recognizing it in myself. So how can I recognize that in others? I think it's mm. most of the time, it's just as easy to choose the positive reaction as the negative one. It definitely, it definitely is. But you need some practice because as humans, we get offended really quickly especially sure. in this country. And, uh, you know, just because you're offended doesn't make you right. Right. That's one of the biggest lines that I use. So, yeah, we, we get all, you know, it's uptight when, when, you know, they say something we don't want. But many times it's not, it's not about me. It's about them, first of all. And I'm a, I'm a great conversationalist when, when see, I'm, a, I'm 280 pounds ex-bodybuilder, you know, fighting kind of guy. So not a lot of people say anything to me, but if they do – it's usually about them yeah. and I can sit down and talk. I very rarely have to, you know, use my, my fighting gifts or whatever they call it because everything can be done with conversation, but you have to understand where the other person is. That's the magic of this rather than, you know, Oh, my, Oh, it's hurt my feelings. It's not about hurting your feelings. It's where he is right now. How can you help him? What about that one? Oh no, I, I no stop. How can you help him? Right. We, we did something like this many years ago at a 12-step meeting. A guy said something to a friend of mine. He automatically kicked back, macho thing. And, uh, you know, we, we talked him around and we sat down with him and we took him for lunch. And it turned out that that guy was going to go home and shoot his brains out, you know, but he didn't. So rather than because he was causing the argument, so he would go home and said, that's it. But we turned it around. You know, that's not it. There's a lot more to life than we think there is. Absolutely. 
one of the things you said earlier, uh, just jumping back on to um, alcoholism, is you said <clears throat> it's not about the alcohol, it's it's about the mind. And I, I think I heard you say something uh, similarly when you were on the doctors. That it's it's not <laughs> when you talk about alcohol addiction, it's about the addiction, not the alcohol. Um, can you <clears throat> expand on that a little bit more and kind of how that has informed how you uh, assist people? So I started drinking at the age of nine and my alcoholism took off 10, 20 years later, but I was always intrigued how far we got into this, how beaten and bashed we were when we got into it. So I wanted to, when, when I come off the streets, 14 months on the streets, I'd already been to university and other, but I started to study the brain. It's like, how come we, we, we do this? How come we sold our children out for alcohol? Yeah. How come that, you know, when alcohol's first, why is it that we go for the alcohol? Why can't we stop? What is it? What's somebody missing here, guys? You know, all my doctor friends are something missing. And one, one person told me, Rob, the reason why there's no uh, money in recovery is there's, you know, there's, there's money in sickness. Yeah. If the pharmaceutical companies cannot give you a pill to solve your alcoholism or the treatment centers can't charge you $10,000 10 times in a row, then they're not really bothered. But I wasn't having that. So this was my aha moment when <clears throat> I realized it wasn't the alcohol. It's the brain is because everyone thought, what's an alcoholic? Somebody who drinks so much alcohol. I'm stood outside a, a liquor store back in Manchester, United Kingdom. It's about 5.30 in the morning. The guy opens at six, but he can't serve alcohol till 10, but he knows that I'm in pain. It's snowing. I'm in a vest, a pair of shorts and a pair of flip-flops, and I'm sweating profusely. I am shaking. I have a banging headache and I'm nauseous. These are the signs of going into delirium tremors, which means I'm not only shot, but I also could possibly die. The door opens. He, he brings me in early. And on this occasion, I put my £10 down on the counter. He took it away and replaced it with a bottle of vodka. It was a handle type bottle. I'm shaking and I'm saying, thank you, thank you, man. And I grab hold of the handle of the bottle and this is what happened. <sighs> Headache stopped, shaking stopped, sweating stopped. Now I'm in a good mood. Now I want to chat to him. Hey, buddy, how's your day going? It's going to be okay. It's going to be a great day today. And it was that aha moment that took me back and thought, whoa, this isn't about the alcohol. This isn't about the drugs. This is not a, a drinking problem. It's a thinking problem. So I went back for another, I got my second PhD in behavioral science and I studied for the last 20 odd years of just alcoholism and addiction and the brain, nothing else. I want to see how it all ties in. You can realize that it's hardly got anything to do with alcohol. The alcohol could be gambling, it could be drugs, it could be anything else. The only problem with alcoholics and alcohol, and the reason why we stand out from drugs and addiction, is the ethanol in alcohol uh, as a, a reaction in my brain. That's what happens, like an, an allergic reaction to the body. But I was born this way, predisposition. This is hereditary. So, uh, yeah, I, I knew I needed to do some work. and I, knew, I, I asked God for a big platform when I came over here. And I was Mr. Nobody with no friends, no nothing. And uh, he gave me a platform. Well, I, uh, <clears throat> I wanted a big platform when I came over here because I wanted to uh, make people understand that one, we have an epidemic on our hands and two, it's a brain disease. It's not a behavioral problem, you know, uh, and that uh, people you don't think is alcoholic are alcoholic and stop looking down on them. So I came over here and I asked God for a platform as big as I could imagine. And he gave me one a hundred times bigger than I could ever imagine to stand on and say, Hey, here's the deal. So I get a lot of backlash for that though, Thomas, I get, you know, the, the, 
the controversial doctor from Texas is what I've had. I've had some people not wanting to hear what I have to say at uh, medical conferences, but I'm there doing it because I truly believe that someone's got to do it. And I went on a, a, a huge nationwide TV debate with the uh, Purdue counselors and the Purdue attorneys. And I told them what I thought and it didn't go down very well. But the next day, they Purdue filed for bankruptcy. Now, whether that was a coincidence or they listened to what we had to say, I don't know. But that's me. I'm changing the rules. And I'm changing how we love each other. I'm changing how we tag people with alcoholism and addiction. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm changing the way we talk about it. Absolutely. Can you tell me a little bit about how, you know, I, I think there's as someone who experienced kind of a lot of things at once, the homelessness include, and the, the alcohol dependency, losing a house, uh, you know, PTSD, other traumas. How do you work with folks who may be in a similar boat? Because I think there's there's probably, I would imagine there's a spectrum of, of folks that you are working with and have worked with, some who are maybe on the verge of that and who are trying to seek help to kind of not, not kind of have that happen. But I also imagine that you've probably seen um, and probably worked directly with folks who are already there, are already kind of at, for lack of a better term, rock bottom, or folks mm. from marginalized communities who, you know, maybe have a, a different kind of uphill battle. How does that, I guess, the, the big question in there is how how might those approaches dif uh, differ for you? And, you know, what have you kind of learned from working with that spectrum of folks? Well, I've, I've learned that alcoholism does not discriminate and, and the uh, treatment for alcoholism was never there or addiction. But yeah, we get a lot of rock bottom. Now, listen, guys, that rock bottom might be like me <clears throat> when I'm homeless and I haven't got anything at all. We picked a lady up <clears throat> from a hotel in Dallas, Texas, and uh, the hotel room alone was uh, $1,900 a night. <clears throat> and she was drinking $450 bottles of champagne. That was her rock bottom. So I'm a great believer that rock bottom doesn't mean you've lost everything. It means that the, whatever's controlling your mind will self-sabotaging your pathways has taken over. So there's a 50-50 split. When we're born, I guess we're alcoholics. It's a 90-10. We always want to self-sabotage. And it's about recognizing that and recognizing behaviors around that. And <clears throat> I'll say one thing, if I may, though. Everyone talks about marijuana, cocaine being the gateway drug. I'm telling you now what the gateway drug is, is trauma. Mm -hmm. Because we want to push it under the carpet and we don't realize you know, how, what that's uh, doing to, to, our, to our subconscious brain and our body. And I'll give you an instance. Alcoholics and addicts hear different things, especially alcoholics, than what's been said. So me and my brother are stood on the table in, in the kitchen and my mom comes in and she says to my brother, because this is what he hears, so this is what she says. Well, you get down off that table, you stupid idiot. You shouldn't be there. Get down. Yeah, what I hear is, get down off that table, you stupid idiot. That's what I hear. So therefore, that becomes trauma for me. So in the old days, you know, you used to go in, you've got any trauma in your life? No, we, no divorce. No, no plane crashes. No, it's not about that, guys. It really is. In actual fact, the small stuff in, in family growing up, whether it be uh, abused or, you know, sexually abused or you're growing up in a home or a, a boy's home, whatever it may be, it's the smallest stuff that kills us because we, we store that in the subconscious mind and we, and we store and we store and we store. And what happens is people tell us. So my message to everyone out there is, look, 
if you're sat there today listening to this show and you feel depressed and down, you don't think you're good enough, you'll never amount to anything, this is it for you. I want to apologize. Somebody's put that there. We are born with million-dollar minds. Stop hanging around and listening to 10-cent minds. You can do anything that you want to do. I'm, I'm proof. And also Trump, I'm not getting political, I'm just saying Trump is also proof. When you have a businessman running the country, you can do anything that you want. And don't think that you've been overlooked. You haven't. It's just if you look around you, everything that's happened could be a lesson. Could be a semester at Harvard like me to turn it around. Because I truly believe that everybody's got their niche in life. And when you find that, you'll know the true meaning of how to love yourself and live in the moment. And like you said earlier, it's also, it's never too late to start either. Um, and you can find that. You can find that. Back to the back to the buzzword of the show. Back, you could find that bliss if yeah. you, you know, regardless of kind of where you are. If you are able to, and, and you might need support. You you've talked uh, at length kind of about your support system, and mm. and that I'm sure was a a great deal of um, uh, enhancing your success and your ability yes. to kind of to, to be successful. Um, and, and there are people, like you said, there are those, there are other million dollar minds out there. It isn't, it isn't, the world isn't just full of those 10 cent minds. And so it's, it's sometimes it's finding those, those people it's choosing. I, I'm big on choosing your family, choosing, choosing the people that you uh, surround yourself with. And, and, you know, you'll, you'll be much better for it. You'll be much, uh, you know, in, in a much more successful position. The key to that, though, I think, is believing in oneself first, loving oneself before Absolutely. you can do that. And this is the stuff that we need to really work, work on. Um, you know, we, how are we good enough? Yes. How do we do that? We, we, we watch internal dialogue. We hang around people that keep us accountable, but who think like you. You see, I've never had an idea. When I wanted to be on national TV, most people laughed at me and said, that's not going to be possible. It's not like England. You've not just got four channels over here. You know, it's just not that easy. So I surrounded myself with, with uh, four to five people who told me, of course you can. That's, that's your natural step, you know? So it was unbelievable, which, which, which kind of led me to a story. And I'm, I'm hoping this will really go down with, with your listeners is, you know, what other people treat us and that is how, is how we become. So there was a scientific research company uh, back in uh, Manchester many years ago, and they went to the local school. Uh, boys were from nine to 11, boys and girls, nine to 12, I think. And they said, hey, headmaster, we have got a uh, scientific research that we put together. And basically what it does is it tells us, or will tell you, the top five geniuses in your school. So you'll be able to you know, look after them and make sure that the school gets a great name. So they said, oh, yes, we're interested in that. Please come in. So they went in the next day and they handed out all these forms. After they all handed out, they collected them all in and said, okay, we'll be back tomorrow with your five A-listers, as they called them. So they went, come back next day. Okay, we have the top five. All the teachers are there listening on bated breath. Who's top five? Well, Jimmy. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Beverly. Beverly. Yeah, Beverly. Oh, okay, okay, Beverly, okay. So they got the top five. And they said, okay, we're going to leave and come back in 12 months' time and see how our star pupils are doing. So they did. A year later, they went back and they said to the headmaster, how's our five guys doing? And he, he went, oh, my goodness. Absolutely mind-blowing. How did you know? Even Beverly, straight-aged, how did you know? It's, we need to know how do you know. And the, and the scientific researchers said, well, actually, when we took the uh, 
uh, exam forms from here, the test, we actually threw in the garbage on the way home mm -hmm. and we picked five random names out of your school of 50 who took the test and we come back. And because you treated them like A-listers, because you treated them like geniuses, so they become. And I thought that was mind-blowing. Yeah. It's like, oh, wow. So, and, and, and I make sure that I'm around people like that. I mean, I, I was sat with Gordon Ramsay, the, the, the uh, chef of TV. I was sat with his house uh, some years ago and he, he was cooking something for us. And he, and he said, hey, Rob, do you know I'm the best in the world? I said, yeah, because you can cook really well. He said, hell no, <laughs> because I tell everybody I am. Yeah. What? It was... <laughs> so I started putting on my business cards, the best, the best addictionologist in the world. Mm. And I don't know whether that's true, Thomas, or not, but I'll tell you something. I believe I'm. Yeah. You know, just because of that one thing that he said, he was just... You know, we always have to uplift people and, and, and see their vision of what they can do. It's, it's a beautiful thing when you can do that to another human being. That's amazing. And it, it, does, it does make me, uh, as someone who I have, I have very young children at home, and, and this also goes back to something you were saying earlier, it's kind of, we all start with that blank slate, right? We don't start mm. with necessarily, we don't start with that trauma, right? Because we, mm. we are all clean from the beginning, right? We don't necessarily have that. And so, um, you know, some people experience that certainly sooner than others, but, you know, I, I look at my children and I've talked about this on a couple of other podcasts, but that idea of just that childlike awe, right? Like everything is amazing and everything. And if you foster that, if you foster that amazingness, if you foster that kindness, and hopefully they are also then fostering it in other people, like you said, all of a sudden now, everybody's capable. Everybody yeah. has, uh, everybody's starting with a head start, so to speak. Yeah, they are. And, it's, you know, it's interesting, absolutely. Because I remember when I was a kid, you know, <coughs> in back in the uh, 61, I was born in 61. So I'm a kid growing up in the 60s. And uh, when we used to play outside with my friends, you know, people say, what do you want to be, Rob? I want to be an astronaut. What do you want to be? I want to be a fireman. I mean, what happened to them, them dreams? I'll tell you what happened to them. We got kicked out by family and society. So yeah. therefore, we don't believe them. Life is about getting them dreams back. Life is about believing that you can literally do anything if you are doing the right thing. And that's the big IF with capitals and lights on it. You have to be doing the right thing. So if you're treating everybody well, like I do, the cleaner in the office comes to my parties, just like the CEO does of my company. They all come. I don't discriminate against anybody. I don't care what they are. I hate stuff like that. You, you just find that it's just, it, it's again, it's a, I keep going back to it, Thomas, but it's, a, it's just a beautiful way to live. Yeah. And, and once you see the beauty in the world and not all the hate, and listen, if you're, if you're oh, well, you've got this and you've got that, and I, you know, doctor, I don't know, but turn your TV off. 90% yeah. of your problems will be solved like that, believe me, mm -hmm. you know, and start living life. I know people have thrown the TVs out. They don't get them anymore. They have a life. They have a life that I crave, to be honest. Yeah. That's how beautiful it is because we don't listen to each other. In fact, most of the times when I'm in, in a 12-step group talking, you're telling someone the story and you can actually see, because I'm a behavioral scientist, you can see of them thinking of a better story to tell right. you. So they're not listening to you. They're just waiting for you to pause so they can jump in. And the fact, and it's an art to listen to somebody and allow them to tell their story and bask in whatever that story brings and, and just let them do it. It's, it's an absolutely phenomenal tool. And again, 
this doesn't come overnight. It's not an overnight matter. Right. It's uh, it's a long time, but yeah, it's very, very cool. I really appreciate you saying that. Uh, one of the things that <coughs> I started this podcast with was some like really solid like bullet point outlines. I want to make sure I hit this, 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 and this. And what I was finding is that it made me feel a bit robotic. It made me feel like I was waiting kind of for that next uh, pause so we could jump into the next question. I still have a few notes that I'll jot down, but in general, and I hope you've seen this, I really try to just go where the conversation takes us because mm. that to me is, it's more authentic certainly. And it's, and it's more genuine to what my guest is going to have to say versus like, I have to hit these very specific points. And I think that that for me, it's, it's made it a much more enjoyable experience because I can just sit here and listen and um, I'm not going back and missing, you know, listening to things that I missed mm. because I wasn't uh, focusing on it the first time. Waiting so. for the next question to ask, you know, when exactly. it's finished, I've got this one. People call us up and especially my assistant. Uh, I want to send the questions for Dr. Rob. He doesn't, he doesn't uh, accept questions. What do you mean? He doesn't, doesn't want to know. Yeah, but he, he needs to know what to say. It'll happen, don't worry, and it'll be amazing, don't worry, but we don't <laughs> take pre-questions on because yeah. you're not having a real conversation, and that's what a podcast is for me. It's a real conversation between me and you and God knows how many other people are watching right. is if it's robotic questions, then you, you – well, first of all, beautiful line you just said, I get to listen to you. Wow, yeah. that's just mind-blowing absolutely mind-blowing but it's so true and i think i've done a, i must have done a hundred thousand podcasts i must have done and and I, I have to tell you right now and i'm gonna piss some guys off i'm very really sorry but this is the best podcast i've done because you're listening and then you're allowing me to talk and then you talk and i'm listening and it's just beautiful ways you've got lights and things and bang and boom and before you know day is it's over and it's just like I didn't really get to say what I wanted to say because right. you can come up with responses to everything. I can come up with a response like that to any question sure. about my, my subject, but to sit here and just, I don't know, you have that persona about you, Thomas. It's just, I don't know. Me and, me and you would be spiritually attracted to each other if we ever met. Yeah. It's just, yes, I want to be in this guy's company and I don't know what it is about you, but I'd want to sit on that table with you. You know, if there was a million people in the room, because you're just, yeah. you're amazing at what you do. Well, I, I really appreciate that. And that is extremely high praise. So thank you so much. Um, and and I, I think what you what you hit on, though, is something that I, I think what I'm aiming for, which is, and something that I don't know that I was at the beginning, which is, I want this to be that you and I are sitting uh, at a random table, we happen to, to be mm. seated next to each other. And we are engaging in a conversation that we would engage in, regardless of whether or not the mics were, were going right. And that's what I want this podcast to be. And yeah, I want to talk about bliss. I want to talk about joy. I want to talk about positivity. Because to your point, 95% of what people are getting is not that they're getting the yeah. negativity, they're getting, they're getting stuff, mm. uh, you know, spit out at them. And I want to, I want to engage them in this. Also, I want them to feel like they're part of the conversation. So I, I genuinely, uh, and sincerely appreciate that yeah it's, it's it's a beautiful i think when and people listening i think they find joy in it as well you know when they just you know, just pause for a second and let's just i like that as well talk sit down at the table and just talk about anything because you you never you never said okay we're going to get into this we're going to get into this we're going to do this your opening your opening <laughs> statement was better than anything i've heard well, what's you. your bliss not, not even like big introduction. What's your bliss? And it's like, bang, you know quite that it's going to be an interesting conversation. Yeah, you absolutely. Know, phenomenal. 
Um, on that note, uh, one of the one of the canned questions, I suppose, that I always ask, which is <laughs> <That's> <laughs> nicely into that, <laughs> which really is just how do you, you know, what if you could leave my listeners and and, and the folks that listen to the show with just some advice on how to how to find their bliss specifically through, you know, focusing on the small things, focusing on the moment. What are, you know, what are some key takeaways for them to be able to to turn that around for themselves if they've never really been able to? Well, every community and every house and every meeting needs a, a leader. You know, people need leaders. Why can't it be you? You know, and, you know, don't take yourself too seriously. Don't, just don't do that. It's not worth it. You know, the things you do, people will look at and be inspired. So don't be afraid to step out on that stage where nobody else is. And it's a scary place because if you can help one person, mm, you've done a fantastic job. And, you know, I used to always worry about make sure my hair's okay. Make sure my clothes, have you got your Rolex on, Rob, and your Louis Vuitton shit? Nobody cares. Let me tell you guys, nobody cares. They're in their own stuff. They've got their own stuff to sort out and, and nobody cares about me. But when I open my mouth with loving, caring words, then I'm the center of attraction. So right. don't think everyone's watching. They're not, you know, just do things that you didn't want to do. Step out your comfort zone, you know, be that guy that people can call and go, Hey, Jimmy, you know something? I just want that five minutes with you. Of course, which is something I specialize in is, uh, is any 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 audience members now and I, I quite i like i do it on the podcast i really like but uh i want to say something to you guys i want to say that if, if you're sat at home and you're, and you're depressed and you're not going to go anywhere uh and you don't think life's worth living let me give you a five minute pep talk that will change your life and i'm going to give you my personal cell phone number yeah you heard it person not my assistant not my secretary not the front desk this is my personal cell phone number I have some chill pills if anybody wants them, by the way, when you call. <laughs> it's 214-600-0210. I'm very busy, man, as you can imagine, but I'm never too busy for the man that's about to commit suicide. Hmm. Give me a call. I'll, uh, I'll change your life, I promise you. Well, thank you so much for that. And I really appreciate that. And I can tell you even from, you know, just this, this 45 minutes for, for folks that are listening, this is uh, as genuine of a person as I've ever met. And I, I'm so grateful that you uh, agreed to come on with us. And, and I, I do see that that care and that concern for your fellow human is, is apparent in, in everything that you do and everything that I, that I heard about, read about, and um, that your team <laughs> told me about prior to coming on, but it's, it's, uh, as much, if not 10 times more apparent, uh, just, just talking with you today. Oh, well, thank you for having me. It's funny because my research girl that does all the, uh, outreach for the podcast and the media, <coughs> she, she will, because <laughs> when they come through, you can imagine how many people ask me to go sure. on and all that stuff. It's, it's crazy, but she'll, she'll call me up direct, which is very rare. She does. And all she says, because a couple of years it used to annoy me, but she's so <laughs> true. So she says, uh, Thomas Raglan this afternoon, Bliss, you need to be on that. And I'm like, okay, put the phone down. Didn't say anything else. So she saw something that you do and research you that said, Rob, you, and it's not even the podcast, Thomas. It's right. like, she says, you guys need to meet is how she yeah. puts it. And I'm like, wow. She always puts me in maybe four times a year. She'll call up and say, you need to do this, drop everything, do this, do, make sure you get there for it. And wow. 
I'm going, please don't tell her I was four minutes late. She will be all over me. <laughs> I will definitely not do that. <laughs> no, I, I, I feel genuinely so blessed to, to have had you on today. And um, typically, uh, you know, just, just our, my last question really is just, do you have anything you'd like to promote or, or plug? Well, I have a book out there and it's one of the last things my daughter said to me before they took him away from me 20 something, 30 years ago. And that it's called Daddy, Daddy, Please Stop Drinking. It's on Amazon and in Walmart. And the only reason I plug it, because I don't need any more money, would you believe? God's given me enough and I don't want to be greedy. But everything that's paid into that $9.99 goes straight into communities around around uh, the world, but mostly in America. So it's not all, all the profits, all the proceeds. No, it's just the $9.99 you spend on this book yeah. goes out to the people out there that need their help. So if you're a one-parent family struggling with depression or addiction or whatever, and you're trying to be the best for your kids, you know, that, that's where the money goes. Because it's not, and I hate to say this and be all religious on your spiritual, but it's not my yeah. money, it's God's money. So he will put it where it's next. So feel good about it. And the second thing is pass it on to somebody. Or if you're on iTunes, you can download it free. Just listen to it. It's a story about a guy that's, that's got a lot to say because of what he's been through. And it's, it's, a, it's a sad story. It'll make you cry. Um, it will definitely make you laugh. It'll make you smile. But most of all, it'll make you think. Well, that's truly amazing. I am looking forward to getting it myself and already know a couple of people I can pass it on to. And hopefully, hopefully they're listening to this today as well. And that would be, you know, just, uh, just beautiful too. But Dr. Rob Kelly, thank you so much for being on What's Your Bliss. And uh, I genuinely appreciate it. I'm looking forward to, I'm hoping we can, uh, we can chat again uh, sometime oh, soon, yes. hopefully in person now that uh, <laughs> things have opened back up. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Thank right. you so much, so much, Thomas. Thank you. Take care. You can find What's Your Bliss at anythingbutcredible.com and on all major podcast platforms, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and Stitcher. Please follow on Twitter and Instagram at YourBlissPod and like What's Your Bliss on Facebook. If you have any questions for me or if you'd like to be a guest or advertise on the podcast, please email me at YourBlissPodcast at gmail.com. Please check out anythingbutcredible.com to find all the additional awesome content and podcasts, including Offended, Movie Merge, Going Off Topic, and of course, the Anything But Credible podcast. Mm-hmm.